Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. Ah, man. Now we got to let Heather talk. Oh, boy. Jeez, Charlie, I'm sorry. You drove this far, and then we have to let Heather talk. So today, uh, what is this, 14? I don't know. Yeah. Yes. I think this is the 14th Addiction Connection podcast. And uh, That's not COVID. I'm going to call you doctor, loosely. Dr. Heather Bell uh, is going to be talking today about exercise and its effect on... You're just mad that you started medical school, you know, when I was born. I think those jokes are getting old. I don't think so. <laughs> Something's getting old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got to get better at these. <laughs> yeah. She keeps, I got to get closer to the buttons over there. No, we don't let you touch buttons. So why don't you go ahead, Dr. Bell, and try and entertain <laughs> Dr. Bell. us. I think Charlie and I are like, eh, I don't know if this is going to be good or not, but yeah. go ahead. Kurt hysterically, historically hates this talk, but okay. you know we were doing some different echo talks, and this is an old one from like over a year ago. We did this talk on echo about just talking about how exercise can actually help people who are in recovery, can actually help people not go down that path, and just mm. why is that? Why? What mm. is the runner's high? What is the thing that helps when you know? And I think it was triggered by a patient of mine who currently is not in recovery any longer, but one of the more successful times in his life where he was in recovery, it was because he like joined a gym and got really active and then just kind of had that built in thing. So anyway, when you look at exercises effects on dopamine, it's kind of the same thing that opioids do, you know, opioids, dopamine, when you exercise, they all go up naturally. So you kind of get this natural trigger of the reward pathway and the nucleus accumbens and everything just kind of goes up the same as if you were to like get some heroin. You know, I'm trying to make sense of this because I was flashing back to when I was uh, younger than you even and Charlie. And I run, I ran this 10 K and there's a lot of, a lot of fast people there that day. And one of the guys finishes the race, walks to his car and lights a heater. Right. So he has a cigarette afterwards. So that actually increased when you stopped, did it, he just kept his dopamine high by mm. having the cigarette too, right? Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I, don't know. I, I suppose. Uh, mm. But you know, you think about exercise and smoking. You ever seen that uh, picture of the guys in the Tour de France going up the hill and they're all smoking cigarettes? Mm. And the theory, the theory was that you wanted to speed your heart up going into the hill. It's a stimulant. Yes, oh, that you yeah. wanted to speed it up yeah. so that you could have a better, more cardiac. Yeah, nicotine, nicotine to a. Uh, nicotine naive person is a pretty potent stimulant so like right. young people like I, you know i don't use tobacco at all the few times that i've tried tobacco or chewing it's like your heart's pounding it's a, it's a powerful stimulant but you get ta- uh, you get tachyphylaxis or whatever you get tolerance really quickly to nicotine. right mm. and then it, it becomes something different yeah. sorry i went off on a no, tangent no i get no but it's good you know so you have the dopamine but then on the flip side um, exercise can also normalize glutamate. So when you're talking mm. about like withdrawal, especially if you're thinking like alcohol and you get that excitatory everything in the body, exercise can actually bring that back down. Mm. So it helps cut some of that and can take away some of those triggers. So it can cut some of those um, 
Yeah. It also does actually You're going to go with yeah? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go with yeah. yeah. That's a medical thing. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so more with the, the endogenous opioids, not only does it increase the dopamine just with that rush, but it also can increase your own endogenous opioids um, in the ventral medial arcuate nucleus, blah, blah, blah. But this also helps that emotional yeah. process. So it can kind of help that emotional connection. And Yeah. You know, it's funny you say For that because sure. I can remember it about – Mile twenty three or mile twenty four of a marathon, and I was pretty emotional. <laughs> I don't, I can't, you know, I can't. I'm sorry, fact, that, we chose to do this one, Charlie. We get to hear all of Kurt's yeah. running stories. No, so yeah, I mean, I was going to ask. There's, there's, sort of, aerobic exercise, and then there's this high intensity sort of interval training. Yeah. And I did a lot of that, and then there's weightlifting, and then there's sort of low intensity. So there's all these different types of exercise, and they all have different benefits, but. There was a time in my life where I did uh, played sports and I did a lot of sprinting. Mm-hmm. And some of the euphoria, I, I went to this gym where they would you would literally do 12 sprints in an hour. That's it. But they would put you on a treadmill and push you to your anaerobic threshold and then make you keep running past your... So you would run 12 sprints and it would rock your world, rock you. And it would be like, I just ran, you know, maybe a thousand meters total, total, yep. and I'm rocked. I'm like euphoric. My head is spinning. Some people vomit. How can you like from running 10, 10 second sprints? Mm. You get that rocked. You get that it's, rocked. It's just they, they they're just they're, the whole gym's about getting you to that anaerobic threshold and pushing you past it. Anyways, that's almost nothing compared to a marathon where you're running for you know however, three hours, whatever. Uh, rather no, than a, you're, you're a lot stupider. <laughs> you're running the marathon. I was like, which one? That's are not you even a word. To the sprint or the. <laughs> No, but I think it's interesting because it's almost like that what you hear patients say that anticipatory yeah. or that that rush, especially if you're thinking things more like cocaine or yeah. or whatever. So, so those brief spurts are more mm-hmm. like the cocaine thing or whatever. Right. And there, there's a risk to it too, like the intensity. This is brief, intense. I, I don't know. I love that stuff. And well, I, and you know you're gonna get sick, but then you know there's like that end point. Yeah. I don't know. And we did that uh, with the social. And I wonder about the endorphins because we did that as a team, and we'd all be watching each other run sprints and cheering for each other and giving high fives and stuff like that. And how much of that was, you know, true camaraderie, and how much of that was chemical camaraderie? Right. Like we're all like just totally runners high, endorphins up the, you know, endorphins sky high, and so we're all kind of euphoric with each other. I, I will get to the endorphins. Okay, okay, the, okay. This is the endorphin, so this is more of your endogenous opioids, but I will get to the runner's high and what that actually okay. refers to because it's right. not what you think. Okay, it has I want nothing some of to that. do with this dopamine, okay. actually. Um, one cool thing is that people who exercise a lot actually get less are less sensitive to the mu opioid agonist. Interesting. So a person who's exercising a lot, you give them some heroin or you give them some Percocet, they're just not going to get that great they're rush. tolerant yeah, they're i was just gonna say they're tolerant, tolerant. okay huh. sorry well you know it's funny because the more you run the more pain you can take right <laughs> and, that's I mean, ex- you know, that, that i mean that my- explains how i ran a marathon <laughs> the other day with a kidney stone moving hmm. and whenever i have a kidney stone which i have a million of tangent i, have to go for, I, I know tangent. but i have to go for a run like it yeah. in my mind it's helping it move but it, maybe it's just that pain relief i feel like getting yourself dehydrated is the wrong move when you, nice charlie <laughs> when you, you have a kidney stone do you need fluids <laughs> and we thought dr rush was a problem <laughs> <laughs> okay you people <laughs> okay go on 
Anyway, so we're going to kind of walk through the different types, like the, from the initiation of drug use to withdrawal and staying in recovery and how exercise can help at all those different points. Yeah. So the first point, how exercise can help prevent that initiation. So one, there's, there's two sides to this coin. One is it can prevent that initiation um, because you're going to decrease your cigarette smoking. You're going to decrease kind of hanging out with nothing to do that boredom thing is mm. you're focused on this exercise and you know you're you're working out you're trying to achieve this goal and you know that using these things is going to prevent you from from doing that mm. however the flip side is team sports yeah so gonna, there's happen. actually higher alcohol and smokeless tobacco in huh. team sports Interesting. so not so much like the cigarette smoking not so much of the other drugs but there's more alcohol yeah and Way more high uh, risk with men than women yeah. um, with the team sport thing. But again, a lot of it will depend on what actual sport you're doing. You know, runners have a lot of their own issues, clearly. <laughs> but they tend to obviously have less of that, the smoking and that kind of behavior. Whereas, you know, like your football team has a lot more of the drinking and the partying. Yeah, I coached a college ultimate frisbee team, the men's team at the University of Minnesota for 10 years. <sighs> coached for many years and it just distressed me at first i thought it was kind of funny but towards the end i was just every spring break i was just sweating i just didn't want something bad happen to my guys because i just it distressed me because there were 21 22 year old men going on spring break and they're a team and i just like you know what's gonna happen right and it's just the the team culture is around binge drinking and competitive drinking they have all these games to kind of competitively drink and time each other and race each other and lose bets and you have to drink and all that stuff is so dangerous and i did it i did it but and i saw it but i didn't with time you look at it and you're like that is some high risk stuff but you know you know it's funny because i was i was on two different college teams one was a private school and one was a state school where i ran and uh interesting the private school the drinking was much heavier Mm. uh much heavier Mm. And there was no socialization with the opposite sex. It was a. It was literally just about drinking. But yeah. that's that's, but the that's other. different though, because I went to a private school that wasn't segregated by gender, and kind of there. No, <laughs> all of our parties were definitely a lot of mixed socialization. But but, anyway. I, but I would say the other school was much more. Uh, the drinking was a part of the culture of the team. Mm-hmm. But it was more about socialization, mm-hmm. which was it was way different. Yeah. And having been at two different places, so you went to public school, yeah, Wisconsin, like, yeah. So yeah. how Ooh. was the drink? Yeah, I mean Wisconsin, Madison, you know, yeah. Don't but, say. but was it more about socialization, or was it more about let's drink just to drink? I, uh, well, the in Wisconsin and then also at the University of Minnesota on those sports teams, it was almost like a watered down version of hazing that you what I guess you would see at a frat party where like to be on this team you go to the party and then when you're at the party a bunch of these drinking games and drinking competitions are sort of you're not forced to do it and some people said no but there's a lot of social pressure to do it but it, it is a sense of bonding it's a weird unhealthy sense of bonding that happened so there is some social aspect to it but it's also 
there was a lot of people that just wanted to get messed up. Right. So it's a little bit of social, a little bit of let's get messed up, but it was kind of that hazing. I thought it was hazing in a way. Right. Uncomfortable. I, I tried to ban competitive drinking when I was co- a coach because I just was so uncomfortable with it. Yeah. You know. All right. So anyway, that was a digression, but not really. So yeah, kind sports. of different ways in which this actually can help. Like people who run on a treadmill actually have increased serum calcium levels, mm. which then enters your brain and can actually activate that dopamine mm. system. So that's one of the, the mechanisms. And ironically, tyrosine hydroxylase. Mm. Are you familiar with that? Nope. No. Nope. I, of course, didn't either. But sprinkle I it on are. my salad tonight. <laughs> you should because... <laughs> Running actually increases that, okay. which is very good okay. because it is actually the rate li- limiting enzyme in dopamine synthesis. Yeah. So you increase that and then it's supposed to like increase your dopamine and blah, blah, blah. And there's just all these changes that just continue to increase that dopamine. But excessive running can actually increase your vulnerability to addiction. So it's almost that threshold of do you have an exercise addiction? You're a compulsive person. Exactly. Take things too far. Take well, too far. and it, it's funny because, you know, back in the, well, back when I was in college, let's not use the dates, um, but there was a big thing back then of what was called streaks, like how many days in a row did you run, yeah. right? Talk about, and in my opinion, that was unhealthy. Yeah. And there were literally, somebody I went to school with had 30 years of not missing a day, Ugh. right? So when you look about this, uh, you know, the, the when these people with addiction, I mean, to me, that looks like an awful lot like an addiction yeah. uh, when you can't take a day off, when you can't stop. And I was, I would always run 100 days in a row and then I'd take a day off just so I didn't get caught in that. 100 days in a row. Yeah. He, That's only three I, months. I, we're like kind of flirting with that line because yeah. I've traveled with him. Yeah. If he doesn't run in he the morning, he is just not like... We've had to get on a plane at like 6 a.m. and there is a run involved at like 3.30. That's... I, he's looking at me funny, like I got a problem. But, yes. <laughs> but I'm not a street guy. You, you have to sometimes take a break. I'm not a street guy. Just a hundred well, days of running in a honestly, row. Honestly, that, that was a long time ago. Now he has to bike sometimes because he's got old joints. Yeah, I guess I. Maybe that's maybe I do have a problem because I'm looking at you. I'm thinking that's not a lot of days. No, I mean to me, I mean I have a hard day. I I, I have to force myself to take a day off or to do something. I, I work out every day. And, but I, I have a hard time taking a day off as well, but I mix it up. You know, it's like yoga would be my day off or go for a hike. Yoga? Dude, yoga is awesome. And you, you don't feel euphoric. You don't get the runner's high feeling, but you do definitely the deep stretching. If you get into like a really uncomfortably deep stretch and hold it for, I don't know, the count in breaths, not by time, count for five breaths, uh, it is a really interesting emotional release. See, my theory is if I don't get up and run at my age, some of these things are going to start to fuse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like my hip will fuse. Can't run. I won't so you got to break it. You got to break it loose. Yeah, every yeah. day. I won't get it. Right. The gristle. You got some gristle? <laughs> Kurt's, Kurt's got to break the gristle loose. <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to let you keep going. We won't, we won't get into my issues with exercise and all no. that stuff. That's a whole other podcast. About, so anyway. Let's talk about rats and cocaine. Rats and cocaine. Oh. So this is the second step, how exercise can actually prevent this progression of drug use from becoming an addiction. Okay. So they did this study where they looked at rats that had cocaine use disorder. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sure. They yeah. get rats addicted hey, to addic- cocaine. Like, addiction is happens. mammalian. Addiction <laughs> is not it, a human trait. It's a mammalian <laughs> trait. So then they put them through two weeks of ab- uh, two weeks of abstinence, 
the the rats that they did one hour per day of running, so they let them exercise for one hour a day, they all went back to drugs. Mm. The rats that they let run for two hours a day went back to drugs, but much less drugs. There you go. The rats that ran six hours a day, no drugs. Mm. Now, to me, it's like, okay, I get the two hours. Six hours a day might make me go back to drugs because that just sounds painful. Yeah. But... But they're rats. It's, but it, right? But it, <laughs> it, it, it naturally increased the dopamine that they just didn't have that desire anymore. Yeah, so that's interesting. I think and, it's interesting though that it's more pronounced if you're female. I was just gonna say. That. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the cool part of that. Right. And then again, we we kind of talked about this whole running will decrease that glutamate, so your your withdrawal potential is going to be less potentially uncomfortable. That less excitatory, your glutamate's lower, yeah. so you're gonna not have that as itchiness which then transitions into the third step of how exercise helps in the whole withdrawal thing you know i i think you can withdraw from exercise as well this i did this border to border race a couple times where you you know over two days you bike 200 miles and then you run a marathon yeah from the iowa border to the canadian border and then you canoe 50 miles through the you are way off on a tangent right now No, but i'm just saying we trained for that roughly for four hours a day. And we did that for three months and then did this race. And when I stopped, yeah, I'm not body. kidding you. I was yeah. messed up for a week. I was so depressed and just so goofy. And I think, I think you see that after marathons. I think he's still in that. No, I think you see that after marathons. Oh, it's hard. Well, and I didn't train for this last one, so it wasn't as bad, but you get, I've you always had to run after a race I just because it's, you that way you to. bring your dopamine down slower. Right. I, I also think, I wonder whether, like, as you train, you build up extra, I think you build up extra glycogen stores. And then as you stop training, you stop using the glycogen. And then what happens there? Like, I think you can increase your glycogen stores from something like 600 to 1500 kilocals or something like that. You can do some work. I just wonder also about energy metabolism is my point, mm-hmm. is, is how when you train that hard for that long and your energy level and then you stop training, how does the whole machinery of your metabolism adapt to a sedentary lifestyle? I don't know. Yeah, it was crazy. It is crazy. And I've had Ironman friends who said, boy, after that, they, they're like depressed for two weeks. They can't yeah. pull out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But it's balancing that with like muscle recovery. But anyway, so yeah. then, the, yeah, the third step, this exercise and withdrawal. So withdrawal obviously increases people's drug use because you don't want to be sick. People who exercise can actually decrease or you know when they looked at rats they they made them exercise when they were in withdrawal it can actually decrease that you know sensation mm. of withdrawal um and it's because of you know that all the anhedonium and blah 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 and the glutamate but um i totally just lost my train of thought there oh the effect is most notable in that 30 the first 30 days of recovery and so if someone's in withdrawal, you need to get them exercising like almost immediately, which sounds like the last thing anybody who's withdrawing from heroin is going to want to do. Or buprenorphine. The buprenorphine is probably going to work better. But <laughs> but, but even yeah. through that transition, especially, you know, we think about some of our patients that are, you know, are on higher doses of buprenorphine, but still not great. Trying to get them to exercise will kind of bring up their natural things. It might actually help that edginess, mm. at least at the beginning of um, that transition buprenorphine so but yeah back to the whole within the first 30 days if you can get a person to exercise within the first 30 days of being in recovery it actually will help because some really fancy other things that you have floating around in your brain 
after 30 days, 30 days of withdrawal. So you go through your withdrawal. Within that, you know, after 30 days, you're going to have your BDNF and your ERK levels start increasing in your brain, which is then what leads to the cues and the memory. So those chemicals in your brain, the BDNF and the ERK. Are you going to tell us what those are? The uh, brain drive, neuro, whatever factor, and the ERK, but I don't remember what that stands for. I don't remember either. But both of them actually help your body make memories. So mm. they're up there when you're using drugs. That's kind of what gives you your cue is your dealer's car goes mm. by. You get the salivation and you kind of like, or you get the whatever. They don't really start to rise until 30 days after. So they start to give you the, the, the cravings and the triggers. Exercising within those first 30 days will help prevent those from going back up. So it can actually kind of break that cycle of the memories and the triggers and the cues. Kind of just really creepy and weird. But to Kurt's point, what would be really funny to do to you or to one of your friends who has this like running streak of a million days is to give them some Narcan. It will put them into withdrawal. Interesting. I've always wondered whether naltrexone would cause anhedonia for these runners. And I, I've always said it's theoretical, but I've never known what I've never seen anyone report it. But, you know, you and we we ask this a lot is like a person who's on naltrexone or who gets Vivitrol, do they really enjoy things the same? Because yeah. it, it, it blocks all yeah. stuff. Yeah. So let's say you were a big runner and you're taking that. Are you going to are you going to enjoy the running? I think my voice is changing. <laughs> are you going to are you going to enjoy that run as much? I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. we hey, uh, should we put uh, put our friend Kurt on naltrexone and see how it goes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How's the running going, Kurt? <laughs> How's it going? I can't get out of bed. Uh, <laughs> and my hip fused. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think my, I just, what I, I tell patients about naltrexone, and this is totally just, um, maybe I'm just talking them into trying naltrexone, is that these are people that are drinking heavily every day anyways. It's not like they're enjoying all these things in their life currently. Very true. So it's like, I'm like, yeah, the, the anhedonia of naltrexone theoretically could be a problem for you, but you ain't running anyways, dude. You're <laughs> drinking every day. So at least most people have more joy from life when they lower their alcohol use. That's my theory, even if they're technically blocking some endorphins. I don't that's, know. that's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah, I've never really thought about it that way, but it's less bad. Yeah, but I wonder exactly. what it would be like, though, for some of those, I mean, I don't want to say Iron Man because, you know, you see those people finish the Iron Man and they're all like yeah. dead anyway. Yeah. But if you take someone at the end of like a 10K where they're like, I'm dying, but yet they're like, they have that big rush and you gave them Narcan. Oh, yeah, forget it. Oh my gosh. No, I think, I think would, like, the, super torture them. the extreme athletes, like the, the elites, I think they're super touchy to any little thing. I mean, they're, they're like their body fat percentage is under 5% and they're just like, these elite trained athletes and you start putting medications in them. But the average Joe, I think you could give them naltrexone and they'd be happy for it. But yeah, you gave it to one of those marathon, mm-hmm. uh, ultra marathon or Ironman or whatever. It'd be crazy. Yeah. That guy that did a, a Ironman triathlon every day for a year or no, was it a month or a year? The triathlons? Yeah, that dude. crazy. No, the, the Iron Cowboy. Yeah, the Iron, the Cow- Iron he, Cowboy. He, no, yeah. have you seen this on Netflix? He did 50 <laughs> Iron, Iron Man's in 50 days in 50 states. You've never seen anything like oh it. Oh, my gosh. You got to see that. Anyway. No, I don't want to endorse that behavior. It's wicked. No, that's it's not, not healthy. That's not healthy behavior. You watch the first half Ugh. of it, and you're like, 
he's almost inspirational. And then you get to the point where you're like, you're sick. No yeah, way. Sick. Don't do that. Yeah. No. Anyway, so to, to, to finish this off, okay. what is the real runner's high? So the thing is, is natural endorphins don't cross the blood-brain barrier very well. So really, you're not getting the runners high from a natural endorphin. So what are they guessing or thinking or studying it is? It's endocannabinoids. Anandamide is lipid soluble. And the levels after running are super high. And they can cross into the brain. It's like smoking weed on your run. Is that what you're saying? Have you, have you, yes, have you heard patients who are, are trying to quit cannabis say that mid-exercise, they feel like they're intoxicated from cannabis? I've heard this often. I've never I heard haven't. that. So what I've told them is like, and this is just me BSing, um, that in when you get to like a deep exertional point, like your, you know, 10th mile running and you're a heavy cannabis user, many people will be like, I feel like I'm high on weed, my 10th mile, I haven't smoked weed. So what I say is like, yeah, weed deposits in adipose tissue and you're starting to mobilize your adipose tissue. So maybe you're liberating your cannabis stores. I'm just BSing. But that sounds more real. This is like the actual science. (laughs) Science. Science, Science whatever. But no, they've actually done Did you get this from Dr. Oz? Yeah. Dr. Dr. Rush. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, are you okay? You're going to live over there. I've got COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, no, but when they, they've actually done this studies where they've blocked endocannabinoid receptors in, in runners and then they like give them a pain stimulus and their pain is much higher. Yeah, Ramona band probably. That's the, uh, yes, the, the cannabis antagonist. Yes. Yeah, they got pulled from the market. And But if you gave oh, them really? an endorphin blocker, no pain, like the, there no change in their pain levels. Interesting. I don't know. This is super so cool. have they ever given them that blocker for the cannabinoids and then have them go for a run? I'd be interested to see if they like yeah. get nothing well, out of it. Interesting. Right. But they, their pain was equal. They didn't get the benefit. So running, you're going to have lower anxiety, lower pain with the stimulus. So if you give the blocker, yes, you have your pain goes back to where everybody else's would be. You know, like the, your subjective pain stimulus. Uh, it's no longer lessened by the running. You know, the... The college running mantra, it hurts so good. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that when I was. Yeah. It hurts. How are you? It hurts so good. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. but that, that finally makes sense. Yeah, interesting. So here's one of my favorite memes that Katie found when we did this talk the first time. Buzz Lightyear and Woody. Yeah. You know, like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go run 13.1 miles for fun Yeah. to get that runner's high. But. To end, my favorite quote from a movie of all time, and I'm sure it's probably Charlie's number one favorite movie of all time. But he's never heard of it. Aliens? Legally Blonde. Oh, no. <laughs> Not my thing. <laughs> Legally Blonde, Al Woods. You, you've seen the movie. Reese Witherspoon plays never seen Disney it. Blonde, goes to I law do like school. Reese Witherspoon. Okay. I, I dig it's, that. It's a hilarious movie. But she gets into law school, into Harvard, and she's literally is the sorority queen. You know, she's totally not your go-to-law school type. She's like fashion mm-hmm. is her thing. Yeah. So you're saying lawyers don't dress well? No, no. Like oh, she's a, well. that's her major is like fashion design. Okay. So anyway, she ends up defending this exercise guru person who is getting convicted of killing her husband. Mm. And it's like this big trial. Well, this exercise guru, of course, likes her because she's this cute little blonde and it's like her type. So her biggest thing that she like has this epiphany on when they're talking in the jail is exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. Happy people don't go shoot their husbands. There you go. That was her whole defense. There you go. And of course, 
She didn't shoot her husband. No. Nope. Did she win the case? She did. Uh, See? Uh, spoiler alert. Anyway. Yeah, well. This was a movie from like the 90s, so. Well, here, here's my thing about exercise and addiction, and, and that is we have a lot of tobacco users among people with addiction, and they give up their drug of choice, and they often uh, adopt an unhealthy eating habit. So, um, and aside from all the sort of the mechanics, the physiology of addiction, it's just healthy to exercise. And I just like, I was like, here's your chance. You hit reset on your life. Let's adopt some, as many healthy things as you can do. And I don't know, so I'm, I'm dumbing it down, I suppose. But I just say, like, you're at risk for all these other things in life. A little exercise wouldn't hurt you. There you go. There. there you go. Anyway. I think I think we have to end there after that. That was almost, that was like, I got kind of a shiver oh, on right. my spine. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So anyway, nice. with that. was that, the endocannabinoids <laughs> that were running up running your spine. Through your, yeah. 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 Do you feel them? I do. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, well. Anyway, we're going to leave you with that. Yes, and so the band is warming up, and we're going to leave it to the battle legs. And, and I'm going to go for a run. And I'm going to let Dr. Bell say the final things, and I will not say anything at the end. Sure you will. Well, thanks again, Charlie, for joining us. My pleasure. As always, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. As I came by Tara Market, Tara Market for to fee, I met up with the farmer's child in the barnyard's a delicacy. Linton Addy to Renetti, Linton Addy to Renee, Linton Lauren, 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 the barnyard's a delicacy. He promised me the finest pair that I ever set my eyes upon. When I got to the barnyard, there was nothing there but skin and bone. Linton Addy to Renetti, Linton Addy to Renee, Linton Lauren, 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 the barnyard. The old great horse sat on his rump The old white mare sat on her wine When it came to the weapon crack There wouldn't rise at yoke in time Linton out into Renetti Linton out into Renee Linton Lauren Bonnie Lass, I see, sitting by her father's side and winking all the views of me. Linton added to Renetti, Linton added to Renee, Linton Lauer and Lauer and Lauer in the barnyards of Delcote. I can drink and not get drunk, I can fight and not be slain, I can sleep with another man's wife and still be welcome to my aid. Linton added to Renetti, Linton added to Renee, Linton Lauer and Lauer and Lauer in the barnyards of Delcote. And now 